You're listening to the Bahai World News Service. Richard Sintbar Baker was a pioneering environmentalist and a Bahai. Having embraced the Bahai faith as a young man in 1924, Saint Barb, as he was known, found in the teachings of Baha'u'llah the embodiment of his highest aspirations. His deep faith was expressed in a love for all forms of life and in his dedication to the natural environment. People sometimes ask me, if you had to start your life all over again, what would you do? I think the answer is the same, exactly the same. I would start as a child in my father's nurseries, helping him to raise tens of thousands of forest trees. And today, there's even a greater need in the world. It's a question of planting trees for survival. Zimbarb, who lived from 1889 to 1982, initiated many practices that have become common and widespread today. It is estimated that as a result of his efforts, the organizations he founded and those he assisted, some 26 billion trees have been planted globally. He founded the first international non-governmental organization focused on the environment, today called the International Tree Foundation. He established the longest-running environmental journal. Generations of environmentalists have credited St. Barb as igniting their passion for their work. A reevaluation of this influential environmental pioneer is now underway thanks to the work of the International Tree Foundation and the publication of a new biography. Paul Hanley, St. Barb's biographer, explains. His interest in conservation began right as a little boy. They had property and they were very religious people. And his father was kind of a lay preacher and very involved in Christian revival, but also made money selling trees. So just as a little boy, he talks about his first playthings were trees, and he'd sort of march about the seed beds and salute the trees like they were toy soldiers and so on. He was way ahead of his time because so many of the ideas we talk about today, such as sustainable development and agroforestry and agroecology and permaculture, organic farming, and plus things like desert reclamation and fair trade and ecotourism, he was talking about all of those things in the 1920s. He was really far ahead of his time. And his whole kind of philosophy of the integration and unity of human society, of humanity, but also of the natural world, were fairly radical concepts at the time. In many ways, the things that he wrote, he seemed to have a remarkable prescience about what was going to happen if we deforested too much of the planet. We are hearing now from Andy Egan, chief executive of the nonprofit International Tree Foundation, formerly called Men of the Trees, an organization St. Barb founded in 1924. I mean, he seemed to have a kind of innate understanding of the issues that we're now facing in terms of climate change and the effect on the atmosphere if you lost so much tree cover globally, even before the science has actually proved dangers of deforestation. He seemed to have a kind of innate understanding of that. Of the Earth's 30 billion acres, already 9 billion acres is desert. And if a man loses a third of his skin, he dies. Plastic surgeons say he's had it. And if a tree loses one third of its bark, it dies. And uh, if the earth 
loses one third of its green mantle of trees, it will die. The water table will sink beyond recall and life on this planet will become impossible. It's being skinned alive today at the speed of forest destruction. You know, he did face opposition, and when he was conservative forests in Kenya, people thought his ideas were crazy, because it's basically what today would be called social forestry. Work with local people, integrate the, the forestry practices into their cultural practices, and so on. So he started this thing called the Dance of the Trees in 1922. So I said, what about a dance for the trees, for tree planting? And they said, well, that's God's business, Shaurya Mungu. I know, but if you cut all the mother trees, you don't give Mungo a chance. I've got an idea. We'll have a dance at my camp, and I'll offer a prize of a fat bullock for the best turned-out warrior, and a necklace of their favorite beads for the most beautiful damsel. They thought that was a swell idea, and three weeks later, 3,000 of these warriors turned up for the first dance of the trees, and uh, it was at that dance that I called for volunteers, for men amongst them who would promise before the high God to plant so many trees each year and take care of trees everywhere. He did really initiate the whole concept of social forestry and trying to encourage a movement of people that would plant and protect trees from the very beginnings in Kenya with the Dance of the Trees in July 1922 when the movement was founded as Watu Wamiti, People of the Trees. So he very much helped to give birth to this idea that it wasn't just a professional thing about planting trees, that it was something that ordinary people and communities could and should be doing. And in a way, they're the best place to actually protect the forests. And as we know now, I think 80% of the world's forests are protected by indigenous communities. So their role should be very much sort of recognised and supported and celebrated. For our part, the whole principle of community-led forestry and agroforestry is central to everything that we do so in the work that we support in the partners that we work with we specifically choose to work with local community groups and organizations to help protect and, and plant trees in their immediate locality and community. Paul Hanley again. Men of the Trees was the first international non-governmental organization working in the environment and at one point, they say it had 5,000 members in 108 countries. So we're talking a long time ago. Even Jane Goodall, she said, really, Baker paved the way for people like her or people like Al Gore and David Suzuki, who are, in a sense, global environmentalists. So he was kind of the first of that category of people. St. Barb grew up in a deeply religious family. He was open to a diverse range of spiritual teachings and, at a young age, had the view that humanity and nature were closely connected. Paul Hanley describes St. Barb's first encounter with a Baha'i, Claudia Coles. He'd given a talk on African religions, which was a positive view of those religions, and then she went up to him and said, you're a Baha'i. She said, you're a Baha'i. I said, what's a Baha'i? She said, you're just as interested in the other man's religion as your own. I said, that is so, meet Mrs. Grant Duff. And I passed her on because I wanted to shake hands with the other people waiting to thank me. And she followed me up, lent me books, and I went back this time to Nigeria. He read those books and was inspired by them. The faith was, I think, his 
primary inspiration, and he talks about his meeting with the Guardian as the most significant moment in his life. Then, in 1929, St. Barb was in the Holy Land to promote tree planting. He visited Haifa, where he first met Shoghi Effendi. He arrived at the house of Abba Baha, and the Guardian came out and met him at his car and handed him an envelope, which was the first life membership of the Men of the Trees. So the Guardian was their first member, and then supported him throughout the rest of the Guardian's life. And I found in his archives there were 31 letters from the Guardian to St. Barb Baker, and he really did uh, help him in many ways. Today, the International Tree Foundation is in the midst of an ambitious plan. By 2024, the centenary of the organization's founding, it aims to plant 20 million trees in and around Kenya's highland forests. The foundation also runs the annual Trees Journal. Nicola Lee Doyle, who today compiles the journal, explains. It started in 1936 and is the longest running environmental journal in the world. Originally, it was created because it seemed that St. Barb just got so many letters and invites and correspondence and he was telling people constantly where he was going to be, what he was going to be talking about. So they needed a way to just give everybody the information and then that's kind of why it started. But then it started adding like a picture of a nice tree and then nice little articles about the alphabet of trees. Aspen would be one of the first ones but then he'd write a short poem about it and he went right the way through. Zimbabwe's influence lives on not only in the International Tree Foundation and the Trees Journal, but also in the countless people he has influenced. I found there were people who are fairly significant people in the conservation movement who were influenced by him. They really credited him as the person who kind of started them on their path. And then some of these people, like people like Tony Renato, who started Farmer Managed Natural Regeneration in Niger, where they've now restored 12 million acres of desert using these methods, says it directly links to his inspiration that he got from Richard St. Barb Baker. He was visiting a farm with his father, and there was a big pile of books in a shed, he noticed. And on top of the pile, there was a book by Richard St. Barb Baker, and it was called Sahara Challenge. And he picked up that book and read it and decided right away to become a forester and went on to become one of the most effective people in desert reclamation in the world. And another guy who's really quite interesting is Scott Poynton. And Scott started something called the Forest Trust. And their work is uh, really trying to get let's say, industries like the furniture industry to use sustainable forest products and going through the whole supply chain for many different industries now. This is a very significant movement in terms of protecting and making forests sustainable. And again, he said his inspiration was hearing an interview when he was a 15-year-old of St. Barb Baker's talking in Australia about trees. And again, he said, no, I'm going to become a forester, and he did, and... Uh, has really had a significant impact. So there's quite a few people like that. And there's kind of this ripple effect from some of these small endeavors that St. Barb had to travel the world, give interviews, and try and acquaint people with this whole perspective on trees. There's this fundamental idea that forests and peat go together. 
That's Paul Laird, the International Tree Foundation's programs manager. Forest is not something which it was in his term, and it's worth thinking back to when he started in Kenya as a colonial forest officer that was by definition an authoritarian top-down role where you enforced rules and kept people out of forests which belonged to governments and he was extraordinary in that he broke through that and saw that fundamentally these forests belonged to the people of Kenya and that you needed to work with the people to conserve the forest. That is a very big message. For more information, visit news.bahai.org.